Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined once again by Jocelyn to talk about the horror of hotels. Hello! Oh, I'm so excited for this topic. I have been really excited to do this one. This is one I've been thinking about for a long time. Oh my. Possessing your mind. (laughs) I stayed in the creepy room that I wasn't supposed to stay in. Oh, and now you're just trapped in the time loop, psychological nonsense that is your own mind possessed by hotel topics. I don't know where I'm going with that. Just so people know, I'm on the tail end of COVID and everything that that entails. So like the brain fog, the scratchy voice, the everything. So, you know, bear with me this this uh, episode. <laughs> So what are your thoughts on hotels? I dislike hotels. It's it's kind of like a, it's unfair. It's unfair. Um, I'm a homebody. I don't even really like to travel that much. So when we're talking your basic standard hotel, I am not a fan. I find them cold. I find them uncomfortable. Um, I usually, to me, that signals I'm not home. Therefore, I'm angry. <laughs> Um, But also, we've had some frustrating experiences. My husband and I have had frustrating experiences in the past where we have been displaced for chunks of time. Like, we had, a few years ago, our ceiling collapse in one of our apartments here, and we had to stay in a hotel, and ultimately we just changed apartments entirely. That was a whole mess, and that really sucked and was very traumatic, and then Recently, there was a house fire situation that affected us quite a lot. Um, And so we were displaced for over a month um, living in a hotel, and that was miserable. So that is unfair because I have these bad experiences with your typical hotel. But, you know, like a, a fun, you know, bed and breakfast, something that's stylized, a boutique, or even like, um, I, I kind of enjoy those kind of really tacky Atlantic City casino hotels, you know, like glitzy and over the top. I, I like that. If it's going to be an experience, I'll I'll be there for it. But otherwise, I have no time for it at all. That is unfortunate. Yeah, you've had some rough, yeah. rough experiences. <laughs> yeah, it's given hotels a bad rep. Yeah. But, you know, it's I shouldn't I shouldn't judge them for for those things. <laughs> I have not had those experiences and I don't I really enjoy traveling I don't get to do it too often so I feel like my reaction to hotels is like when you watch a new season of the bachelorette or the bachelor Mm. and they check into a hotel room and everyone is like jumping on the beds and they're like Mm. hello Virginia (laughs) (laughs) that's excellent I I love that I think that's a wonderful vibe I'm like, I love being in this small air-conditioned room watching three hours of diners, drive-ins, and dives with my husband. That is like the vibe. (laughs) Well, you know, I was just talking to a friend of mine. Um, She recently went down to Tennessee for like a family thing. And um, she was like talking about the hotel that they got. And I was like saying exactly what I just said. Oh, I don't like hotels. And she was like, you know, it's the only time I get to watch TV in bed. Because she doesn't have a TV in her bedroom that gets, you know, just like your basic channels, like cable. 
And she loves just, you know, flipping through the channels Mm -hmm. and doing exactly that, like watching Triple D and just vegging out in this giant bed. And I get that. Like, that is luxury, Mm -hmm. truly. Like, I love watching TV in bed. So if staying in a hotel means you get to watch TV in bed, 100% there for it, yes. I do love that. I will say with small children, um, there's a little more sharing of the TV time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They aren't as as thrilled about triple d but i can't imagine why not guy fieri is like a beautiful clown he would be so entertaining i don't know why they're not just transfixed i mean i don't know my eight-year-old is like i can only watch this guy eat burgers like so many times (laughs) i don't understand that's a good point there's a lot of burger eating meanwhile i'm like i will never get tired of this like, he has such a look of delight on his face right. every time like, he bites into something. And it, in turn, gives me delight. Mm-hmm. I mean, the small joys. Food is a small joy, and it can fulfill your life exactly. in a beautiful way. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we're talking about horror that's set in hotels. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what's mm-hmm. scary about hotels? Well, you know, for me, I have those experiences. So I, you know, signaling that my home is unsafe and I can no longer stay there, Um, which, oh, my God, this is off track. But it's just making me think about one of my all time favorite movies, Poltergeist. And, you know, after they go through all the hell in the house and they check into the motel and they roll the TV out onto like the the like little porch wraparound porch area. That's just making me think of that now, too. It's like, oh, their house no longer exists, actually. So they have to like, live in this hotel. Anyway, um, yes, I I think that, like, in general, hotels, they're transient. Like, they're, there's transients. Mm-hmm. People are checking in and checking out. It's not... There was a period of time where people would live there permanently as a residence. That was, like, 100 years ago when that was popular. But um, for the most part, like... Folks are just temporary, and so it's you don't really know who's there. There are strangers really close together. The hotel itself, this is a thing for me, it's unfamiliar. It's not that comfortable because you didn't create the space. It's just kind of like a, a bland, one-size-fits-all kind of decor, which can be kind of fun, actually. You know, the, the more outdated, the more delightful in my mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just seems because because there's strangeness happening, there's strange people, and you don't know who's next to you. I feel like that can be a situation that creates um, danger or fear, you know? There's definitely a vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. To it, yeah, all these people staying in the same place. And also, I mean, just thinking back on the actual true crime cases mm-hmm. that have happened mm-hmm. in hotels. I mean, you got H.H. H. Holmes. Mm, yes. Yep. That was a classic. You got uh, Elisa Lam in L.A. Mm-hmm. Was she the one that ended up in the water? Yes. Tower? Yeah, she's okay, the one so... where they have the video surveillance of her in the elevator. Yeah. like Ooh, looking that's spooky. Out. Very spooky. That elevator footage is scary. The one that I always think about is um, that... Kenneka Jenkins, the like nineteen year old who like wandered off from a party and was found in a freezer. Oh like, my god! In hotel. Ooh, ooh, like in the kitchen mm-hmm. area. Oh, and there's yikes. just like chilling footage of her just like wandering. Oh, oh no! And it was like under construction. It's just like ooh, yeah, that is spooky. that's the real yeah, yep, oh. real spook factor. It's still oh, still unsolved. Boring. 
Yeah. Uh, well, the Elisa Lam one, um, one of my picks today kind of references that. So does so. one of mine. Oh, yay! <laughs> oh, well, you know, she lives on, so yeah. we honor her. Have you stayed at any interesting or famous hotels? Um, Kind of, sort of, and also not really. Um, there's the uh, Fort William and Henry Hotel in Lake George, which is right next to the Fort William and Henry, which was really important during the um, French and Indian War. And so that fort's been around for an extremely long time. And um, I stayed at the hotel, which is not the fort, unfortunately. How cool would that be if the fort was converted to a hotel? (laughs) I don't think they would let that happen, but that would be really rad. Um, I stayed in the hotel last summer um, for one of my best friend's bachelorette parties. And four of us arrived at the party early, um, including the bachelorette herself. And we decided to do the ghost tour at the fort. So the fort has like a ghost tour that they do and it's really popular. And of course there were many deaths at this fort for all different kinds of reasons. Um, Some of the most tragic were actually like illness outbreaks though, like typhoid and things Mm. like that. It wasn't exactly war that was killing the most people at the fort. So it was kind of cool to go around and learn the history and see some of the most allegedly haunted places in the fort. Um, But then when we went back to the hotel after, we we had separate rooms. So like two of us were in one room and two of us were in another room. And they were on different floors because of the way that we like messed up the booking. And all of a sudden in my room, our lights started flickering and it was getting really strange the way it was flickering. So we started like talking about how the ghost followed us from the fort to the hotel. And then we got text messages from our friends in the other room that were like, ah, our lights are flickering. It's so freaky in here. (laughs) And now that I think about it, probably just all the lights were flickering in the hotel at the same time. But we maintained that we brought the ghosts back to the to the hotel um so that that was fun i mean the hotel itself it is kind of a resort but it could use a lot of work but lake george is very cool i highly recommend if folks want to go stay up in upstate new york um lake george is gorgeous it's definitely worth your time um but there are other like hotels that i would love to call out One being um, the Aurora Inn in Aurora, New York, which is one of the cutest, most comfortable, after I just talked a bunch of shit about hotels. (laughs) Um, The Aurora Inn is unbelievably cute, and it's really old. Um, It was built in 1833, and again, this is in upstate New York. It's on Cuga Lake, which is one of the Finger Lakes. It's not that big. I don't know how many rooms it has, but I don't know, maybe like 16 or something like that. And um, it's just... It's so beautifully styled and it's so cozy. And Mark and I stayed there for Mark. Mark is my husband. <laughs> I just real. I'm talking like Stephanie knows. The listeners don't know. But <laughs> we stayed there for an anniversary, and it was just so charming. But the interesting thing about Aurora is that the woman who, like, invented and promoted the American Girl brand. She is responsible for, like, the majority of the restoration of this little town. And she basically, like, owns the town. So it kind of feels like Stars Hollow. Like, it's it's really freaking cute. And it's right on the lake. So, you know, I had to throw in something good about hotels. Were you an American Girl girl? I was, but um, I read all the books. I never got a doll. Me neither. Yeah. And I remember getting the catalogs. 
Yes. Oh, and agonizing over mm. them, right? And I'd be like, I want to yeah. order one that looks just like me and get matching yeah. outfits and get mm-hmm. a dollhouse. No, it was. No, it wasn't to be. Lovely. Yeah, I didn't get one either. But I did love the books. And I did like to flip through the catalog, even though it tortured me. <laughs> I did love, I love to look at the dresses. Um, but yeah, Aurora is very cute. So again, another big old wreck for upstate New York. I'm just a shill for upstate New York. How much are they paying you? Oh, you know, this runs in my blood. This is a this is like I've been cursed by generations of upstate New Yorkers to have to go out and evangelize to the world. Doing work for the tourism board. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> um, but I do I do want to call out this weird little um, bed and breakfast called the Ben Conger Inn in my hometown of Groton, New York. It was originally built in 1921 for, it was a private home of a senator, I believe Ben Conger. I think that is actually the man's name. I think he was a senator, um, a state senator, sorry, not not a, not a um, U.S. senator. Um, but it also became allegedly the safe haven for Dutch Schultz, the famous bootlegger and mm-hmm. numbers racketeer. Um, there are a lot of rumors about this place. There are rumors that it was a stop on the Underground Railroad, which couldn't have happened because it was built in 1921. <laughs> there are rumors that um, there were more illicit dealings with the Dutch Schultz connection. Um, they say that, like, big entertainers of the day would go and stay there, you know, Frank Sinatra kind of deal. I, I cannot believe that that ever happened. Like, folks need to know this town is so small. <laughs> There's no way. Um, but there were also rumors that it was haunted. And so I had a buddy who grew up right next to the inn. And when we were bored, he and I would go over and, you know, the inn owners knew him and obviously he's the neighbor. So would let us in and we would just wander around like free reign in the in the inn and like go in all the weird nooks and crannies and like he almost got stuck in the laundry chute and like all this nonsense um but we were hunting those ghosts and we never saw any so that was disappointing um it is a really cute little inn but um that's the closest i think i got to um having an experience of like you know small town life haunting legend etc etc very fun very um very like kids on bikes vibes so very nice yeah how about you have you stayed anywhere cool the madonna inn in san luis obispo which Mm. we talked about being the inspiration for rachel harrison's book the return and it's gotta be for listeners i will put in the link so you can go and look at all these rooms because every single room has an individual theme and you just have (laughs) to see it it's very like kitschy Mm-hmm. And kind of like, I don't know, like Flintstones glam. Like, I don't know how <laughs> yeah. to possibly describe this. Oh, man. Have you seen the Flintstones sequel? The Flintstones movie sequel, Viva Rock Vegas? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is giving Viva Rock Vegas vibes. Like, it is extremely hard. Viva Rock Vegas. <laughs> I was thinking also in Goodfellas when like Karen and Henry remodel their house. And it is like oh, so yes. tacky. <laughs> Yes. And gaudy oh. and over the top. Oh, I love it, though. I, I love it. Yeah, it is just so fun and so loud and unapologetic. It's, like, very pink. I was telling you, they're known weirdly for their urinal, like, in their restaurant is, like, mm. this rock waterfall. <laughs> um, I do remember going in and looking at it because, like, it's one of those things, like, everyone oh, yeah. wants to look at it, you know? Hell yeah. People stop over mm-hmm. and look at it. <laughs> 
I do want to know how men feel about this because I know men have opinions. So if if anyone has used it or if anybody is just thinking about it, I, I want to know if you think this would be cool to use or not. I would imagine so, right? I, I mean, I would think it would be cool to use, you know. Another family vacation we took was to Deadwood in South Dakota, which was really fun because it's obviously like an old Western town. Yeah. And so like every place you go into, it's like, this is the chair that Wild Bill Hickok was shot in, you know, and it's a very themed, very cute downtown area. But I remember I took a tour, like Kevin Costner owned a hotel in Deadwood for a few years. I don't think it's Mm. open anymore. I looked online. It's not open anymore. But Oh, that's a bummer. he had like the first floor was all movie memorabilia like he had Mm -hmm. one of the batmobiles (laughs) he had like the white linen suit from forrest gump like he had like wow i didn't realize he was such a collector Mm -hmm. and apparently he like really loved deadwood like i guess he filmed Mm. near the black hills for um dances with wolves and was like i love this area Mm -hmm. yeah well he is in yellowstone now Mm -hmm. so that does make sense he loves the american west he sure does. He sure does. <laughs> but that sounds so cool, um, Deadwood. Like, that's just, it's kind of fascinating. It's a fascinating part of American history. Mm-hmm. So that's nice that it's kind of like, you know, it's a museum of sorts now as well. That's really cool. Yeah, there's, like, performances. Like, everything is so historical there. Mm-hmm. Very big on the whole, like, Wild Bill Hickok, Calamity Jane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. True American legends. Um, But while we were in Deadwood, we did take a tour of a haunted hotel. I want to say it was the Franklin Hotel, question mark. I don't remember. But um, the tour guide was saying, like, a lot of spooky stuff had happened. Like, record players would turn on and lights would flicker. Spooky. It actually did scare me because I was, like, 12 (laughs) years old. And I was like, that is the scariest thing I've ever heard. Oh, that sounds so much fun, though. That's, like, the perfect time to go when you're 12 and you're just ready to be scared. You're like, give it to me. And it's like, oh, you know what, though, when I was in Louisiana, when I was in New Orleans, we did go by that the woman who like was known for horrifically abusing enslaved people in her house. Yeah. Like we visited her house and I can't remember if it had ever been used as a hotel at any point in time or not, but it had hotel vibes. So I'm just going to call that out. (laughs) Oh, man. So we also have been watching a lot of hotel horror movies to prep for this episode. So many good ones. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably talk about the one people are t- thinking about the most, which is probably mm. The Shining. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think everybody's brain just goes straight to The Shining when they think of hotel horror because it is really the epitome of the concept. Mm-hmm. I, I hesitate to say genre, but like the concept, the trope of hotel horror. I mean, the hotel itself is... The entity that is corrupting so it's it is pretty um it's pretty high up on it i feel like people probably think of it as like the epitome of the idea of hotel horror yeah the shining is the the quintessential and i mean without the concept of other people being there like literally just you mm. and your family being stuck in Empty. this place yes oh yeah i mean that's very creepy um talk about talking about um we, we had mentioned the true crime cases of people just wandering the halls and stuff like that footage. That is the vibe with The Shining is like people just like wandering these empty halls and acting strangely. And you're not really sure why. I mean, that really kind of I feel that connection there. Well, and the ghostly conspiracy against you. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think we also have to touch on another Stephen King work. Mm-hmm. And I think listeners know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Build it up. Build it up. The short story. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. Mm, it's numbers. <laughs> 1408, baby. Woo, woo, woo. We said it. <laughs> this is actually my husband's favorite horror movie really? of all time. Yeah, he, he's not a horror dude. He doesn't really have tolerance for it. Um, but he loves psychological thrillers. And this one definitely, it, it hits psychological thriller for him more than it does horror. So he loves this. He actually was the one who introduced me to it. So... It's kind of a big deal in our house. Have you read the book, the short story? No, I have the collection. I haven't gotten to it yet. But um, last year when we, we watched 1408, like the last time we watched it, which we kind of, we watch it probably like once a year, um, I pulled out the collection and I made this big speech about how I was going to read it. <laughs> Still waiting. Still waiting for me. It's a bit different. It goes in a different direction. That's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah, which intrigues me. I'm, you know, I always like to see how King goes, like all the different directions, because he's got a great range. So even when he's just like throwing shit at the wall, I find that interesting. It's not always successful, but it's interesting to witness, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. You know. (laughs) Yeah. It was one of those things, though, like I had read the story and then I was watching the movie and I'm like, wait, what's happening now? What? (laughs) Uh We're doing what now? Uh Okay. Interesting. Okay. I'm very excited to read it now and do a comparison. Uh, but I really like it. I mean, yeah, you have all the build up with like, oh, you can't go in there. We don't let anybody mm. stay in there. And he's like, I do this for a mm-hmm. living. I need to stay in this room and write about it. Yeah. It's for a book. I got to <laughs> do it. Samuel L. Jackson is so good in that role in the movie, too. He's so good at like being foreboding and like the the harbinger of doom kind of thing. And he's like, can I do anything to dissuade you to not stay in this room? <laughs> he's so eerie. Another a trilogy of literature and a classic movie that has been I've done a whole episode on this property and that is Psycho hell yeah Psycho's so good like it's you know I when I was thinking when I was preparing for this episode and I was doing just some light googling on the history of hotels and motels in this country and psycho came out really at like the boom of motels and it's it's so interesting because i it's been a while since i've watched the movie so maybe correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like there is a whole thing in the story where um he's talking about they built the highway somewhere else Mm -hmm. and now people aren't coming Yeah. yeah and so like that connection between like motel culture exploding and highways being built and this one being left out you know, this one just kind of dwindling on the edge. That just makes it so much scarier to me that it has been forgotten and left unchecked for yeah. so long for like all of these like perversions to just bubble up kind of thing. Well, then, yeah, in the book series, that's like a point in the third one that there's like murders mm. happening and then that's the reason why. Like they're Ooh. rebuilding the the motel in the same location and when we did the episode i'm like you don't have to build it in the same location (laughs) you can build it closer to the highway yeah somewhere more practical perhaps (laughs) i would think that that location would be a little tainted too yeah well seiko also gets into i think a common theme in a lot of the 
hotel other hotel horror movies which is being watched and surveillance mm -hmm. like this is a Mm -hmm. new place you're unfamiliar with it and you don't know who's been there before and what they've left or what access they have to you which you know not to jump ahead we can certainly circle back to psycho but that is a thing that is a big plot point in the rental Mm -hmm. which is that newer release um dave franco director right dave franco um yeah there's a big thing about being watched in that one and that's that's airbnb that's not necessarily hotels or motels but that that has a lot of the fears that i that i see in hotel horror and that i think people fear when they think about hotels and things like that you know you're in a strange place in this case it's someone's like home Mm -hmm. kind of deal so you've got all their things there which is a little creepy you know it's cool to see what people have in like their airbnbs but i also think it's just kind of weird it's like people's things but you know in the rental they're being watched they're being observed and then like people show up and Mm -hmm. you know like it's 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 just the paranoia you know it it ratchets up in that one that one's bleak I don't know. Have you? Did you watch? I that did one? watch that one. That one's I did. Bleak. I did research for this episode. Yeah. Yes, research. <laughs> Guys, I work really hard for you. Um, mm. mm-hmm. You put the hours in. You do. I did. You do. I rewatched <laughs> the Innkeepers, the Ty West movie. I have not seen the Innkeepers, and I need to watch it, especially because I just watched X. And I'm like, oh, what have I, what else have I seen in Ty West? Like, what are all his things? I was on his IMDb and I was like, I haven't seen the Innkeepers. So I'm, I'm negligent in that. I'll have to go watch it. I think it. it's on Tubi. Okay. Not, Tubi's great. Yeah, I love Tubi. Yeah, uh, they've got everything. Yeah, that one's a bit more of a ghost story. It's pretty good. There's like a whole, yeah, yeah I don't know. I can't get like too <laughs> into anything, good. you know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. There's so many twists in hotel horror. I feel like hotel horror truly has like many a twist perhaps more than other kinds of horror Ooh, that's a hot take that Ooh, i might okay. meditate on a little bit all right mm. i also watched <laughs> first time watch i watched vacancy the one with luke wilson mm. oh that that was a big one for me my sister and i love that one i actually recently rewatched that one as well um that one is the epitome of like that early 2000s horror vibe yes like very strong very strong the color palette everything yeah, the color palette also the surveillance and coming back yes. in yes oh my god you're right so it's this mm-hmm. couple who is on the rocks and they have car issues and they pull into a hotel to stay the night and they find a stack of snuff films mm-hmm. in the hotel room and as they're watching one of them they realize what it is and they realize that all these films are filmed in that motel room and then they hear like mm-hmm. knocking at the door Ugh. and yeah Ugh. <laughs> it's a good one though if yeah. people want to do like aughts re- horror night you know definitely think about that one yeah i would say underrated yeah um also i want you guys to know that i watched hostel for this episode <laughs> you're martyr welcome. stephanie <laughs> Oh, yeah, I wasn't going to do it. So. Have you seen it? Oh, God, I saw it in theaters and um, I'll never watch it again. I will say simultaneously worse than I thought, but also better than I thought it would be. 
You know, my sister rewatched it recently and she kind of went on a campaign about how it's actually good and we're giving it a bad name for, you know, the torture porn stuff. Um, I don't know if I want to hazard a second watch. I don't know that I can stomach it. Like I had a much stronger stomach when I was in my teens and I'm old and soft now. So I don't know that I could watch it. Um, so I'm not sure I can uh, back her up or <laughs> dip a toe into that conversation. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I will say not as gory as I thought it would be. There is a lot of off-screen oh. horror and a lot of implied. Wow. Or there's maybe like two, two or three like they full-on show huh. stuff. Well, but... maybe maybe my imagination just exploded and that's what i'm remembering maybe maybe i will give it a try i'll say Um, i don't i don't love eli roth as a a director and i think maybe there is something there like looking into the aughts and 9-11 and xenophobia and fear of traveling and stuff but I don't know mm-hmm. that he's the most nuanced uh, filmmaker to oh, no. to take that on. <laughs> nuanced. And I don't Absolutely know that <laughs> I don't know that we meet a woman in the movie whose boobs we don't see. Oh. Except for like two tourists. Oh wow. So. Mm. Heavy on the porn, not so much the torture. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that happens off screen. That off-screen. sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, Eli Roth is really hit or miss for me. Um I do like Cabin Fever a lot. And I like his series, um, looking at horror. The history of you know, horror, like yeah. His, yeah, like his nonfiction work, <laughs> his documentary work. Um, I like that. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, otherwise, yeah, he's he's real touch and go for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It definitely had elements that I liked and I appreciated. And I was like, okay, I see that. Okay. And I was like, mm-hmm. but why? But Yeah, but yeah. Why? <laughs> Perhaps if I'm feeling strong, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, another underrated one we were talking about, Identity. Mm, yes, yes. This is so funny that you put it on here because I randomly watched it one night when I was home alone and I was just having like a cozy time and I was flipping through Netflix or whatever streaming service I decided to land on that night and I was like, oh, John Cusack. Oh, I don't know this one. And there's a bunch of, I think there's like quite a few well-known names in this movie. So John Cusack loves hotel horror. He certainly does. Yes. Oh, interesting. I wonder if there's a third one hidden in his filmography. We'll have to like go take a deep dive. Um, But yeah, I put it on. I had no idea what it was. I had never heard of it before, but I was like, this is exactly the kind of thing I think I want to watch right now. Um, Something like Gothica or, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. And it delivered. It absolutely delivered. It also is a very strong type. It's, It's very reflexive of the era that it was made in, but... It is so fun and ridiculous as a giant twist that uh, we shan't spoil because then that will be sad yeah. for new watchers. But it's a lot of fun. Um, it's like a closed room whodunit sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You've got this cast of characters all coming in from different areas to I think it's a, just a motel, yeah. right? It's a motel yeah. and it's like pouring rain outside and people start dying. So you're trying to figure out who the murderer is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't trust anybody. It's great. 
It's super fun. There's like someone who's traveling with a convict and like needs mm-hmm. a place to stay. There's like a family. There's a couple like sketchy yeah. motel owner. Yeah, yeah. The convict is played by Gary Busey's brother, by the way. I think it's his brother. They're definitely related. I didn't know and that. He, he looks like Gary Busey. <laughs> like it's the the familial um, resemblance is strong. One that is technically a resort, but I still know mm. what you did last summer. Oh my god. Oh man, this movie is outrageous. <laughs> It is okay. You're talking about the ending and the reveal because I was like, "You've got what?" Like literally everything about it is outrageous. I I watched it years ago. It was the last time I watched it, so it's been a little while. I didn't. I don't know that I watched it before. Like my library has copies, so I just like grabbed it one day. I was like, "Hell yeah, love the first one. Gonna watch this." I'm not. I don't know if I liked it. I don't know. Brandy's in it, yeah. right? Is Brandy? Mm-hmm. In it? Yeah. And I was like, "Yes, I can't wait for Brandy," but. It just, um, yeah, the, I liked the first one better, but everything about it is just unhinged, I'm going to say. It's, yeah, pretty it's pretty unhinged. Well, I was watching it a few days ago, and I looked up from my computer, and I'm terrible with faces and, like, placing people, but I was mm-hmm. like, is that Rufus from Gossip Girl? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, he's one of the, like, main people in this cast. <laughs> Oh, that's so weird. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, that is such a strange connection. Those are two totally different times to me. Yeah. Even though they're right next to each other. Mm -hmm. There's like, they're the same time. But I'm like, they're totally different times. I was like an hour into this movie. I was like. And then the realization just hit you. (laughs) So I was like, this guy seems very familiar. Like, I know him from Mm. something. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. There's a time. But also, I want to say, in Hostel. Not too much of the horror happens at the actual hostel, which is the impression that I was ah. under. I was like, oh, they go mm, to this mm-hmm. hostel and they end up in like the basement of the hostel. But it's yeah, a, it's a no. completely different place. Yeah. So I guess the reputation of hostels can stay good. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. Well, should we talk about some books? Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. I will start off with podcast favorite and mentioned earlier, but The Return mm. by Rachel Harrison. 
um, yes. referencing the Madonna Inn. But this is about a group of friends that book a girl's trip at a quirky hotel in New York after their friend, who had been missing for months, suddenly reappears. And everything sounds fine and good. Like the rooms are all individually styled and have these really like loud, quirky themes. Um, so everyone's having a good time. But the problem is that she is not acting like herself. Like there's a lot of things that are off about her now. Like she's kind of appeared again. Like she used to be a vegetarian and now she is like disgustingly like scarfing down <laughs> like rare steaks. They're like, when did this happen? <laughs> what what happened? <laughs> when did you become so repulsive? <laughs> well, it's like one of those things too. And a big part of the novel is like the dynamic between the friend group and like hey girl Uh are you okay and then as soon as she disappears to go to the bathroom you know like the talking amongst themselves Mm. like did you see oh yeah she hasn't always done that right is this a new thing (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but uh things start to get dicey like people start disappearing and one thing i did love about the book is that um like it just starts to get more and more chaotic and the staff still has to be like, oh, can I do anything to help you as oh like God, everything yes. is falling apart? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that is a really funny element. Such dedication. Be like, I will be right with you. Um, No one showed up for work today. <laughs> so hold on. There's a pool of blood in the middle of the of the hallway i don't know where it came from (laughs) so yeah i loved this book it really surprised me i think i don't know i think i've mentioned this before but i think it was marketed more as a thriller and so i was kind of expecting that angle of it but i'm like oh no this i was reading it i'm like this is a horror novel this like definitely Mm -hmm. commits to that and i appreciate that so yeah, absolutely. This It's one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. It absolutely floored me when I read it because it is scary. Mm-hmm. Like, it scared me at times, but it's also extremely compassionate and funny. Um, that quirky hotel is just, like, the most delightful setting. So I love that there is, like, real inspiration for it. And I could go there like you did. <laughs> I'm definitely going to, like, break my, my uh, homebody stance and go visit sometime. Um, but also, like, you were talking about the female friendship, you know, those, those four. Like, that is so honest and real. That felt so real to me. Such a wonderful representation of long-term female friendships. Like those girls that I went to Lake George with, that is very much like what our friendship Mm -hmm. is. We've been best friends since high school. So it's been decades together. And I just thought that Rachel Harrison nailed it. Yeah. And I really like the... um main pov we get is you know one of the girls in the friend group who was closest to the girl that went missing and it's her kind of dealing with a lot of her own issues and she was the only one that wasn't ready to grieve her yet and was still kind of holding out hope that she would show up like the girl that was missing i should probably learn character names at this point (laughs) Uh, i don't remember any of them either (laughs) but you know like she was kind of the one that would call her out on stuff and like hold her accountable and Mm -hmm. now that she didn't have that in her life she found that she was kind of spiraling and like really missed that and Mm -hmm. i don't know i just really liked that element of it too yeah yeah because there's like that grief it was a, it was a good discussion of grief mm-hmm. within the book, I thought, yeah. and like a good depiction of um, 
grief or a refusal of grief, which I still think is a kind of grief. Yeah. You're just stuck in the <laughs> um, denial. That you don't see a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't you don't see a lot of that. So um, it was ha- I was I was happy to see that story told. Right, so um, I would put it in the I would definitely put it in the fridge. There's some fairly like gory and disturbing yes. sequences. Like this is not mm-hmm. just like, a, ooh, people go missing and it, everything happens <laughs> <Yeah>. off screen. <laughs> No. <laughs> I would say there's enough other elements that I think people who are curious about horror, I would suggest this to them. I'd be like, mm, a nice yeah. gateway. Okay. So that is yeah. The Return by Rachel Harrison. Awesome. Um, my first pick is The Summer Job by Adam Caesar. Uh, this one's kind of a fun, like, occult slasher. Um, we follow Claire who is in her mid-20s, and she's dealing with that kind of like post-undergrad wandering that happens to a lot of us. She doesn't really know what to do with her life. Um, You're just kind of lost, and that's not uncommon. Um, But after her degenerate boyfriend burns down the restaurant that they all work in, she decides to make a big life change and takes a job cleaning rooms at like a bucolic little hotel bed and breakfast in a small town a few hours outside of the city, which the city is Boston. This takes place in Massachusetts. And things are strange, like right from the beginning. But Claire just kind of like writes that off as like small town life. Like we know small towns are super weird and uh, can have their own kind of um, personality, so to speak. Um, But unfortunately, this small town takes those kinds of things, those like clicks and drama that you would expect from a small town and just like blows it up to the extreme. Um, This is very much like dark stars hollow, (laughs) I feel. (laughs) Um, So soon after Claire starts hanging out with like a mysterious group of hippies, where they just like go hang out in the woods and do like weird bonfire hippie parties. Um, She starts hanging out with them and things start to get really weird and dark for her at work at the hotel. Um, So things just get like confused and and I'm trying to like be cagey about details because I don't want to spoil anything. But let me just say it's definitely not like a town you'd want to spend a quiet weekend sightseeing like it's just this is this is a devious and um, scary place uh you're not gonna like it there (laughs) um and so i'm not gonna say much more without giving anything away there are a lot of fun reveals in the summer jobs so i don't want to do spoilers Um, but i can say that it has a lot of very fun elements so you know i mentioned the occult there are secret rituals um there's slasher vibes there's the creepy bed and breakfast of course and as i mentioned weird hippies which uh that completes a balanced diet of horror for me love it (laughs) um and you know claire clearly walks into a battle that's been raging for like decades in this town and the question really is like can she learn the truth and save herself Who knows? Mm. You'll have to read the book and find out. Um, I really liked this one a lot. I I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't heard of it before. I know Adam Caesar. I have, you know, Clown and Cordfield. His writing is great. Um, It's really energetic. I really enjoy reading his stuff. Um, And The Summer Job is incredibly fun and it's fast read. And it's actually perfect for taking on vacation this summer. So if you're looking for summer TBR Rex, you can put that on there. But it might make you suspicious of quaint little hotels for a while. So keep that in mind. <laughs> what if I want to stay at the Dragonfly Inn? Oh, well, check to see if dogs go missing in the town first before you stay at either 
the star's Halloween or the dragonfly. <laughs> I'd be more suspicious of the dragonfly. <laughs> Just make sure the dogs are alive and well. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would say this one, I mean, maybe like the return, like is definitely fridge, but it also has like those moments of like extreme gore. So it could, it could like touch on freezer territory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the summer job by Adam Caesar. Ooh, that's been on my list for a while. I've always been like, I need to check out his other stuff because I know he's written a lot of stuff before Clown in a Cornfield. Yeah. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I should do that. Yeah, this one came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. So it's been around for a while. My next pick is Horror Hotel by Victoria Fulton and Faith McLaren. So this came out this year and this is YA horror. And this is about a group of teen paranormal YouTubers. Uh, they have a YouTube channel called Ghost Gang. I love that. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because like yeah, one of them is kind of like the big YouTube personality. Like one of them is the camera guy, and like one of them has like actual can talk to ghosts or like is sensitive Ooh. to spirits. They're trying to hit a big milestone, a big subscriber milestone. So they decided to do something big. So they're staying at this notoriously haunted LA hotel, which is definitely based on the Cecil Hotel. Mm-hmm. They are kind of staying in like a, it's kind of like a hostel situation where like they have a room with bunk beds and like you share mm. with like other people. Um, mm-hmm. And their plan is to kind of like sneak out and go to one of the forbidden floors where like there was like the serial killer stayed. And of course, while they're there, they stumble upon something dark and mm. unexpected and it might not be what they bargained for. Oh, I love that. I'm really excited to read this book. When I saw you put it on the list, I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is so in in my <laughs> wheelhouse. I, a little confession for the listeners. In high school, me and my friends put together a group called the Fear Force um, because okay. our, high school, our high school was alleged to be haunted. And we did investigations in our high school and we made t-shirts so i have t-shirts that have a ghost on it that say fear force i love that why don't you guys get like a netflix show oh you know most of us are still friends so we probably could it would be a hit (laughs) i listened to this on audio and i will say it's a full cast audiobook like each and because it's different perspectives you're getting each of the different ghost gang members uh, perspectives but yeah I would say it's a good YA horror I would recommend it maybe for younger listeners I think people who probably read a lot of horror kind of see where it's going pretty quickly mm-hmm. but I would say like it was still like a fun way to pass a few hours but it was a good full cast audiobook rating wise I would definitely say room temperature though mm-hmm. but definitely fun so that is Horror Hotel by Victoria Fulton and Faith McLaren. Nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna opt for the audiobook version of that. I'll look to see if it's on um, Hoopla or Libby, one of the library apps. Love audiobooks. Mm-hmm. All right, my next pick. Okay, this one is many things. It's a lot. So you know, stick with me okay. through this, folks. <laughs> it's The Last by Hannah Jameson came out in 2019 and it really came out in 2019 like it has very thinly veiled references to certain political leaders at the you know of 
recent past and <laughs> in the time and I you know yeah. it is it is like a you know it makes sense but it's dating itself for sure. Um, anyway, this is a mystery crime thriller with suggestions of the paranormal set in a kind of post-apocalyptic situation. Huh. Also has a hotel, so there is a lot happening. Um, John is an American who's attending a conference in Switzerland when nuclear war breaks out and a bunch of the world's population is killed like pretty quickly. Most major cities are decimated. Um, this event is not the focus of the book, though. It's more of the backdrop. The The main focus of the book is much smaller. You know, the main plot points are closer to home, so to speak. Um, the hotel that John is staying in is, like, out in the woods of Switzerland, and it's far enough away so that... Um, far enough away from like the various bombings that everybody there is more or less okay physically um but they're basically cut off from the world and they have zero news of what's going on and they can't connect to loved ones um and they don't know if the nearby city is safe and they don't know if they can find a way back home um so john and a few dozen others decide to just like hang tight at the hotel but as the days go on, several people decide to do different things um, concerning whether to stay at the hotel or not. Um, some people decide to end their own lives. So there's trigger warning for that. There's actually quite a bit of suicide throughout the book. Um, and a few of them decide to try their luck on the road in the aftermath of all of it. So, you know, little by little, the numbers at the hotel dwindle to a smaller size and a bit of a community starts to form amongst those who stayed. When they start to notice that the water is getting a bit funky, John and a few of the men go up to the water tanks on the roof to check it out, and they find the dead body of a little girl in one of them. And so they were definitely drinking the essence of dead body. Ooh. So that's disgusting. <laughs> but, you know, at least a lamb mm -hmm. reference there. Um, but John, who's a historian, decides that they owe it to this little girl to, like, figure out who she is and investigate her death. And, you know, even if justice, as they once knew it, doesn't exist anymore, he feels that they should try to give her some kind of justice. So John goes, like, full steam into this investigation. And he's trying to figure out, you know, if the killer is still at the hotel among the survivors and, like, how they can punish this act kind of thing meanwhile the hotel itself is like extremely weird there's a bunch of weird stuff about it um there's a presidential suite that apparently doesn't exist the ownership of the hotel like the history of the ownership is not clear there's there was a serial killer so again kind of like that cecil hotel situation like there was a serial killer that stayed at this hotel and attacked people at the hotel when he was staying there um, people report feeling a presence or like there are other people staying in the hotel with the survivors, but they never quite see them kind of deal. Like they, they're like, someone just turned the corner sort of thing. Um, John hears voices and there's reports of people seeing like visions. And it's just so many weird things happen at this place that is becoming home in this post-nuclear war landscape. Um, but as as the book goes on, John is making wild discoveries, which I'm not going to spoil. There's a lot of um, discoveries. There's a lot of things that happen in this book. <laughs> um, and people form relationships. There's difficult decisions that have to be made. And it's just, this book is so many things. I keep saying that, but, you know, it's about resiliency and it's about grief and starting a new life amidst horrific 
circumstances and forging new friendships and survival and like the wonder both good and bad of humanity and it's about what it means to be a good person too so there's a lot of horror just like wrapped up into those concepts i feel but there's also just like a lot of dark stuff that happens in this book it's kind of a weird one um the narrative is it's all from john's perspective and I wish that Jameson played with that a little bit more, like the unreliable narrator situation, um, because John is a historian. He's writing down everything that happens for posterity, but um, you don't really know if he can be trusted. And he's kind of an asshole in the beginning. So, like, I at first didn't really like this book because I didn't like John's voice. And that's kind of the problem with this style of narrative and with, like, epistolary novels. I like epistolary Do you like epistolary I novels? I do. Yeah, I like them. But I feel like this can be, uh, you know, this could be tricky. If you don't like the person's voice who's telling the story, but you're, like, stuck with them, <laughs> like, that can be an issue. Um, but... He, he gets better. He gets better as the book goes on. You get to know him better. Um, but still, he's not, he's not trustworthy, which is really interesting because he is a historian and a scholar. So to me, as a librarian, that makes a huge statement about, you know, how history is recorded, how information is generated. Information is not objective. Not even numbers are objective. Like, I could go off on that for a long time. Um, but I thought that that was a really cool thing that could have been played with more in this book. But regardless, I enjoyed that device that Jameson used. The last is not technically a horror book. It's more of like a thriller mystery. Um, eventually, they do decide in the hotel, they decide it's not safe for them to stay there anymore. And they have to make a decision about what to do. So that part becomes that part really that part's interesting the reason why the hotel isn't safe anymore is really interesting it might not be what people expect um yeah oh i was going to say another thing that's in this book but that might spoil it so i'm not going to i'm going to leave it untouched just know that there's like so many things present in this story um but i because it's more of a thriller and a mystery I feel like it could be fridge at times. There's gore and there are extremely creepy and eerie situations, but it's not technically that it's not horror. So, and I wouldn't say that those scary moments are sustained throughout enough to put it in the fridge full time. So I'd say it's chilling, but it's not chilled, you know? I got you. Yeah. And that's the last by Hannah Jameson. Just say, I hadn't even heard of this one. Yeah, I, like, came across it when looking for books to read for this. I hadn't heard of it either. Interesting. Apparently, it's being adapted, though. Oh. It's going to be adapted. Yeah. Okay. Right on. All right. Well, my last pick is The Nightly Disease by Max Booth III, who was the guest on the previous episode. <laughs> and I told him I was reading uh, this for this episode. He's like... Such a good conversation you guys had. I really enjoyed that episode. Thanks. It was fun. Max is very fun. And, yeah, he's funny. Um this i think read a lot like him like isaac the main character it's a first person narration and it was very much like his humor mm-hmm. like uh going into this i was thinking this also could have worked perfectly for workplace horror because this is following mm. a guy named isaac who is a night auditor at a hotel and it is just kind uh-huh. of like 
the things that happen. And the first big chunk of the book is like the inner monologue of being frustrated with like customer service situations and being like, (laughs) you know, what I told the customer versus what I actually (laughs) wanted to tell the customer. (laughs) Oh, yes. All of those, those of us who are familiar with customer service know this well. And there's a lot going on. There's like uh, possibly these like spooky talking owls. But then, you know, as you're following Isaac, like things, he just gets himself into like crazier and crazier situations and things just start escalating. But then, you know, he's also (laughs) like with a weird sleep schedule. You're like, so how much can I trust like your Mm. perception of what Mm -hmm. is happening here? Um, but I really liked it. This is probably one of his most personal books because he wrote this while he was a night auditor at a hotel oh. in Texas. <laughs> and Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and he did mention on the episode, like, there was a time where, like, he and his family lived in hotel, like, in a hotel yeah. for a few years. So that comes into play. And, like, the first part, there's, like, an introduction to the novel where there's he has a bit of a memoir part of, like, this is my personal oh, cool. story and, like, how it That's relates nice. to this book yeah but this was really fun really like it had wacky (laughs) kind of wacky parts and i don't know isaac was just very funny just his like way (laughs) of looking at things and his observations i thought were really funny so i would say like still like a a cold room temperature maybe i wouldn't say it was super scary there was some definitely like weird tense situations (laughs) and moments uh but i feel like a pretty enjoyable read that is the I'll have to pick that up. Nightly Disease by Max Booth the Third. Yeah, that sounds really fun. And I do I was telling you before we started recording, like I love hearing Max like just talk about things every like podcast. Like his stories are hilarious and outrageous. He's so funny. So if this is like if this book feels a lot like how he just is in conversation and such and like t- draws from his life. I think that would be so much fun to read. All right. So my last one is The Grand Hotel by Scott Kenmore, which came out in 2014. And this is a really creative book. I hadn't heard of this one um, before we decided to do this topic. Um, It's a series of short stories that are pulled together with like a clever connecting device, which I enjoy that. I think that's really cool. If you can find a really creative connecting device to bring everything together. I think that's just, it makes it flow in such a fun way. So in the Grand Hotel, a random group of people stumble on this abandoned looking hotel, the Grand Hotel, and they decide to go in and do a little light trespassing since nobody is there, obviously. Um, So it comes as quite a shock when they're greeted by a mysterious and striking man claiming to be the front desk manager. He charms the group and he convinces them to go on a tour of the Grand Hotel. And as they're working their way through the uncanny and perplexing structure that is the building itself, they run into various long-term tenants of the hotel. And each tenant has a fucked up story to tell. So the tenant stories are like the short stories in the collection, which is really cool. And there's just like so much range with these. The book is told in a way that, like, suggests that this exact situation happens all the time. Like, people are just always wandering into this (laughs) hotel. And the front desk manager is like, let's go for a tour. And he's, like, talking about how everything is so practiced and on cue and, like, all of this stuff. So that gives it kind of, like, a creepy vibe to be, like, this is inevitable. It's just, like, the assumed inevitability of the progression of the events 
from the narrator and from like the storytellers like I, I thought that was interesting it was an interesting tone to take um but there's something a little bit different about this particular tour group that we're that we are kind of with i guess you could say as the readers um or actually there's something there's someone that's different actually about the this particular tour tour group um but i'm not going to spoil that because it's just kind of a fun thing as you go through to experience um so the grand hotel is just it's extremely charming and i really enjoyed kenamore's writing it's just like dripping with atmosphere and it has major neil gaiman vibes so if you like gaiman definitely give this one a shot and i also think if you like anthology horror like vhs or creep show you'll like this one too because with the short story element it does kind of feel like you know someone is telling you a story so it does kind of feel like an anthology horror movie to me anyway um but yeah i i think like this one's hard to judge on the scale because of the different stories some of the stories are extremely dark some of them are just kind of like campfire story mm -hmm. level so i feel like this one could be fridge but it's probably again you know kind of cold room temperature <laughs> it's more charming and atmospheric than anything and actually it might be really fun to read some of those stories around a campfire so if you're if you're folks who are like me and my family and we go camping or we have a fire we love to read each other scary stories this might be one that you could flip through and find you know pick one of the stories to read to your family because some of them are just like extremely dark and will stick with you for a while <laughs> i really liked one um about i think she was russian and she had to go to a boarding school and there was a girl who was roma so there's some like not great stereotypes in this one but she's roma and she decides you know she's helping the main character out with uh, a boy situation and the boy situation gets weird so then the, her roma friend just like tells her don't worry i'll take care of it and like acts like she's gonna put like a curse on the boy but what she really does is just a very elaborate con that is excellent and she comes out on top like extremely well so it, it's really that one's fun because there's some fun twists in it i'll have to check and that's the yeah yeah definitely i mean it's the writing is so wonderful it's just like it's perfect for um you know having a nice warm cup of tea and being like wrapped up in a blanket and just kind of slowly taking your time with it it's one of those books it's really delightful um and that's the grand hotel by scott kenimore those are our picks i know there was a lot of other books we discussed oh yeah <laughs> kept going back and forth and i think i changed my picks a few times i think that's normal though every time i like plan an episode yeah. i'm like i'm thinking of doing these three books and it's like mm -hmm. always ends up being three different books yes yes i looked at a lot and i also changed mine quite a bit um there are plenty out there if folks are looking for horror books that have a hotel setting or you know could be classified as hotel horror there's so many to pick from and a lot of them are really good like it was hard for me to decide which ones to, to shout out for this episode yeah. yeah i didn't want to do the shining or psycho because they're so well known and i think mm -hmm. that is like what people think of when it right. comes to this i also could have done um when the reckoning comes because they're staying at yeah. a plantation and that's like a whole nother angle of hotel horror it's like yes. what is the historical <laughs> stuff that has happened here mm -hmm. at this place where you're staying mm -hmm. question mark yep yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, there was, um, I looked at Creepers by David Morrill. I think that's how you say his last mm-hmm. name. I think he is the guy who wrote the book that the Rambo movie is based on. I did not know that was but... based on a book. I didn't either. <laughs> but I was I was looking at this. I was like reading his um, author bio on the um, on the back cover, and it was like, yes, best known for Bloods. Uh, oh my god, I must have Bloodsport. <laughs> I was like, is that the book? First Blood? I think yeah. it is. I can't remember. Anyway, the the Rambo movie. Yeah, not not the Rob Van Dam <laughs> excellence. We love Bloodsport. We love Bloodsport. Um, but he wrote a book called Creepers, which is about like those urban explorers that just like go into abandoned urban buildings mm. and like explore. And it's a group of people who are doing that in this notorious hotel and things go wrong. I didn't finish the book. So I was like quickly going through stuff and I like ran out of time. But I do intend to read it because it seems like a really cool concept. I like that idea of like urban explorers getting in over their head. I think that's fun because it's also kind of like an abandoned hotel feels kind of the same to me as like an abandoned asylum. You know, all these people have been here. It has a lot of history. There's a lot of you know, residual energy yeah. kind of thing. There's a lot of a uh, potential there. But yeah, I that one seems really cool. And then I did read Security by Gina Wolsdorf. I think that's how you say her last name. That one's wild. That one is like full on slasher. And then the way that it's told, like the narration is really unique. It's like through security camera footage. And I think the main narrator through the whole thing is like, one security guy just watching things happen through the security footage um it's really kind of creative and and interesting um but not much it's mostly just like you know standard slashers so if you like slashers you should check out security cute i was thinking about reading that one for this too that was on my Mm -hmm. list for reading also i was thinking of doing the mansion by ezekiel boone ezekiel boone which is more like the high tech but I don't know if it was a hotel if it ended up being like an apartment complex or some technicality where it like didn't quite fit Ooh. I don't remember mm. but I was mm-hmm. looking at that too yeah but I kind of like yeah. yeah doing this modern angle like it is interesting like insecurity the hotel is supposed to be built to be extremely safe mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the twist. And we love that twist, right? Like we love to see things that are built to be like fortresses, having that power and that strength turned on itself and becoming a prison kind of deal. Like yeah. it, it's always successful. I, love I loved it. that in um, Devolution. Oh, yes. Me too. Yeah. Oh, I love Devolution. That book's great. Talk about a good audiobook. That audiobook is excellent. Judy Greer killed it. <laughs> yeah, nails it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of other hotel, like Deadfall Hotel by Steve Resnick Tem. That one's also very nail game and like it's very charming and kind of like mm-hmm. meandering, spooky, fairy, dark fairy tale sort of thing. Um, and then The Resort by Bentley Little kept popping up and like I started to listen to the audiobook of that and I was like this is very Bentley Little I don't know if I (laughs) have any like you either love Bentley Little or you hate him I'm I am somewhere in between but the beginning of The Resort I was just like I don't know if I I don't know (laughs) but it does take place on like in a fancy resort in the middle of the desert and things get real wiggity wonky like pretty quickly so yeah I mean give it a try I don't don't take my my turning off of the audiobook early as any sign of how good it is I'll probably try it again I mean also 
Um, Womb by Duncan Ralston takes place at a motel. Um, as I mentioned on the extreme horror episode, I mm. DNF'd Whew. it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did try to read it again for this episode, and I was like, no. <laughs> Oh, the Sorry. determination. Sorry. And it's not Duncan <laughs> Ralston because I have enjoyed other books by him. It's just very much yeah. this book that I Yes, like. yeah. No. But people like it. Like, I mentioned it on a TikTok that did pretty well. And people are, like, constantly, like, I see it pop up all the time. So a lot of people are out there and they are reading it and they are enjoying it. And you know what? That's great. Love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps you listener will also be one of those people yeah you won't know until you try yeah (laughs) jocelyn have you had any good chilling obsessions lately oh yes yes i have and you know what i'm so happy to finally bring you one that i feel like very proud of because the other times that i have been lucky enough to be a guest i have had very like blah obsessions i have not really been you know, experiencing things at the moment that I thought were really, you know, horror-based or all that interesting. And so, like, they're mostly just uh, me returning to old comfort horror things. And I'm like, I am just doing my comfort horror all the time, apparently. But now I have an obsession and I'm so into it. So I watched Fresh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I... I love it. I love it. Everything about that movie is incredible. And it just got me into this just um, train of thought of women eating or consuming things that they're not supposed to. Like specifically women consuming things that are taboo or not food. So like in Fresh, there I'm not going to spoil too much, but there is a woman who eats human flesh. And so that kind of got me going. And that movie has a lot of like gender dynamics and, you know, what it means to be a a good ally, good woman. I don't know. It's there's it's it's fun. The movie is very fun and it has a lot of good things to say, I think. Mm -hmm. But I I was so captured by the image in this movie of this woman eating human flesh under duress. And it's like what does it say about women who are like consuming things that they shouldn't be or that are taboo? So I am on this um, absolute bender of books that have to do with this theme. So I am just about done with A Certain Hunger, which I can't, Chelsea Summers, I think is the... That sounds right. I might be screwing up her last name, but that book is incredible. I love that. That's about a female serial killer who eats her victims and she's also a food critic so she's talking about her victims in these very elevated food terms like it's just absolutely hilarious to me it's very satirical and that's that's amazing i did not know that that's what that book was about like the cover is very like fancy and i'm like this is Mm -hmm. like about millennial ennui i think would be the vibe that i get from it (laughs) no it's about like a boomer psychopath okay Yeah, it's great. It's I would say it's an interesting foil to American Psycho. It's very it has very interesting connections in my mind, like parallels. And it's it's this um, kind of like snotty upper crust New York City East Coast elite woman who is like murdering her lovers and eating them. Okay, 
It's grin. It's so, it's also kind of epistolary because she's right. It's like her memoir. (laughs) So (laughs) it's fun. And so like other books that are going to like go into this category really are like to be devoured by Sarah Tatlinger. And, um, oh God, I have a whole list. I'd put like the vegetarian in this category. There is that new book that just came out about like kind of is like millennial ennui, I think. Um, a woman vampire. God, what is that called? A, a woman hungry, I think. It's something like, it's called something like that. And she's a vampire, so she's like drinking blood, but she, I think she's having like a midlife crisis or something. I don't know. The cover also is very stylized art, and I'm interested to see where that goes. But pretty much anything about women um, having weird, complicated relationships with food, um, or eating things that they're not supposed to and looking at what that means about consumption, about womanhood, about bodily autonomy. I'm doing like a whole thing. I'm doing a whole project. I'm giving myself a paper and I'm not even in school anymore. <laughs> Did you watch that movie that came out recently, Swallow? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'm like, that definitely oh, fits. It, yeah, it's, it does. Absolutely. It made me so nervous. I, like I watched oh, just the yeah. preview and then preview I was like <laughs> yeah I know right it's it's very unsettling yeah. like the idea of putting things in your body like food stuff is one thing um but then you're putting you're swallowing buttons you're swallowing marbles you start swallowing things that could rip your esophagus open like she doesn't she like eat like a know? needle or a thumbtack I was yeah. like oh <laughs> like true true nightmare but there is just in my I feel like there's so much to unpack there so like I have started a whole project it might come out in the form of a newsletter we'll see what happens um but it is a true obsession for me now do you read um as tender as the flesh on there tenders yes that's on there I haven't read it yet (gasps) um I know well you know what I avoided it because I was like "Mm, everybody's talking about this book I, I got that. <laughs> but then I had a coworker read it and she's like, girl, you've got to read this. This thing blows up. Like the ending is wild. You have to read it. So it's on there and I will. I will read it. Mm-hmm. I think like Night Bitch is also on yes, there. Yes, I was going to say that one too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I made a whole list. I made a whole list. But yeah, I think I'll do like a little project okay. about it. We'll I want to see. You better send me that newsletter or whatever. Mm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Done. Everybody will know. I'll blast it out. I'm like hardly on social media anymore. So when I finally get this thing put together and I put it on my accounts, everyone will get the notification that you get when people don't post in a while. They'll be like, oh, Jocelyn posted for the first time in 700 years. Better check it out. And it'll be about the newsletter. So. Like, are you ready to defend this thesis? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> oh. uh, last year, I kind of went on a kick of like watching horror remakes because I do feel like they get fairly maligned. Mm, and mm-hmm. I don't think that's deserved. I think it's a big knee-jerk yeah. thing. And I think people, I think, have been coming around more and more. I think now that we look at the 2000s with kinder eyes. Yeah. we're like, oh, like, this actually wasn't that bad. Well, it actually was pretty yeah. good. Like, people, I think, are coming around to things like House of Wax mm, and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so I watched two horror remakes. Actually, I watched The Town That Dreaded Sundown, and then I watched the remake mm. Of the town that dreaded sundown, which was actually like a requel. I don't know if you watched the oh, new screen. No, I, like talked about the oh, requel. Oh my lord! 
<laughs> yes. The new Scream. Oh, we're going to have to get drinks and talk about yeah. the new Scream. <laughs> <laughs> but the Town of Hooded Sundown, it's like, it's not a remake because it's set in kind of modern day and it acknowledges the first one and it kind of has a meta thing where like it takes hmm. place in Texarkana and people are watching it and it's kind of like a thing that people do. So it's kind of like acknowledging the existence of this and building on that lore and making it like hmm. a modern day thing. So that was very interesting. Yeah, I like that. I enjoy that. No, it's like kind of new because then we got kind of like a requel boom. We had like Child's Play mm-hmm. and Halloween and like. Yeah, that's true. Um, that and then I watched when I started doing the modern horror remake kind of watch thing everyone told me that I needed to watch the Evil Dead remake oh oh did I you? did and hot take I think I like it more than the original <laughs> oh I love it I love that movie I was like blown away yes. by it when I saw it in theaters and I like bought a blu-ray copy immediately I really enjoy it yeah, I would say it doesn't have the comedy of the first one, but I don't care. Like it was no, so it goes in yeah, a different it was direction. so good. Like it gave me mm-hmm. everything I possibly could have wanted out of it, and I was like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is exactly where I wanted this to go. Yeah, perfect. It's so full of heart. It's just the plot is so tight in mm-hmm. my mind. Like it means something. There's like stuff actually happening. Like I I love the original, and the humor is so much fun in that whole series. Like yes, love that. But this was just a wonderful execution of the concept you know it's a new vision the the remake is a new vision and i thought it was done really well yeah i agree so i'll have to go through because i have like a ranked list on letterboxd and i think suspiria (laughs) was my number one so far of like a really good remake yeah that one's great so as always jocelyn what is your (laughs) final girl song Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. This is my third final girl song that I've been able to document for the people here. Um, So I've had quite a journey with my final girl songs. I've got one that was me in a horror Mm -hmm. comedy. I've got one that was me in what I think a typical slasher. And now I've got one that's a little it's a little different. We're like shifting theme a bit. But in my mind, it is a kids on bikes gearing up for the final showdown kind of song which i think in those kids on bikes stories and movies like that's the cool big scene that everybody loves to get pumped up for that's where they put the good song is like when they're getting ready to do battle um so i picked 666 by anvil which is a classic 80s metal vibe and this song actually does appear in another horror movie And I would love it if people tried to guess which one it is in another horror movie. It might be kind of hard to hear, but it's there. So, and I'm not going to, you know, go ahead and like throw your guesses at me. I love to make people (laughs) guess things. (laughs) But I love this song. Uh, It's so, so much fun. It's the epitome of that kind of like 80s metal vibe. And I think it just fits with that so well. It gets you pumped up. It gets you like ready to fight the devil you know like or fight with the devil I, you know <laughs> your choice dealer's choice <laughs> well thank you again for coming on and joining me to talk about hotel horror <laughs> thank you hmm. books in the freezer is a bi-weekly podcast we post episodes every other tuesday you can find us on instagram at books in the freezer 
on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash books in the freezer, and on TikTok at Books in the Freezer. And you can also send us an email at books in the freezer at gmail.com. If you are looking to show some love to the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. You can always leave a review on a site like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you can spread the word on social media, sharing posts, anything like that helps a lot. You can also check out Patreon at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. There's a one, three and a $5 level, a lot of different options. You can do like annual support now. Um, like at the $5 level, there is bonus episodes. And the last bonus episode that came out last month was on Michelle Faber's novel Under the Skin. And the next bonus episode will be about the film adaptation of Michelle Faber's Under the Skin. So check that out. If that sounds interesting to you, we'd love to have you there. We also have an Amazon link in the show notes. You click the link, it just takes you to Amazon and you do your normal shopping that you would usually do. And a small percentage of that goes to help the podcast. So big thanks to anyone that has used the link uh, to buy books or dog food or water bottles or, you know, whatever it is, Amazon. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And on Instagram at that's what she read. And that is that's with two A's. So thank you again and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 